It is Free Talk Live at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. The Porcupine Freedom Festival is over. It officially ended, I think, 23 minutes ago. Something like that. Is it like at noon or something? I thought it was 11. Well, I don't... It doesn't matter. It's over. It, it was over, you know, last night when everyone went to bed. Pork Fest has not yet unofficially started. In my mind, Pork Fest starts uh, Monday, and Sundays are sort of a... A day to recover and recuperate, recuperate and let it go. I say, one screw that. I'm here. Fork Fest starts right now. That's a valid approach. That was certainly the approach we took last year and I think the year before. I'm of the opinion that Fork Fest is, in fact, FTL Fest, and I've been living it every day for 20 years. See that power hungry stuff that we were just talking about? <laughs> there goes that again. Don't let it go to your head, Mark. <laughs> so, Mark, you had something you wanted to talk about in regard to Costco and some rotisserie <laughs> chickens. <laughs> right. It doesn't seem like much news, but I think it's, uh, you know, Free Talk Live does like to talk about rights theory Absolutely. a great deal. And the question is, is, uh, you know, if you have a cerebrum, do you have rights? And, you know, sort of some questions. Wait, so regarding this topic, you're going to straight wing it? <laughs> I don't know why I would, you know, stop it at, you know, having a cerebrum. I, I don't know that I would. Okay. But. I, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested in all theories surrounding it. Um, I have decided for myself that animals that can recognize themselves in a mirror have rights. Um, you know, the think therefore I am thing. I'm a, well, that's that's been fundamentally dismissed by Nietzsche more than you know a century ago. A brain doesn't think; you don't think. Thinking is something that happens to you. I'm of the opinion that until you're capable of standing up for your rights, you don't have any. Fine, you aren't capable of standing up for your rights. So, if you might don't have is you. right. Is your well, position as, as far as animals are concerned, right? Like like humans. Being capable of thought and you know all of that kind of a thing and imagination, right, might be a different story. But as far as like you know farm animals and things, like so the fact that I can you know me- overpower and kill a cow means that it has no rights. I mean that is might is right. That's yeah, literally might I, is right. I, I don't know. I don't know that I've thought this through either. So that's sure. why I'm that's why I'm saying what I'm saying because I I don't know that I've thought about like. Like, I'm for, you know, humane treatment of animals, but that's humane treatment. That's not necessarily saying, I think that animals have rights. I think animals have feelings. I think that they should be treated well, particularly if you're going to slaughter them for food. You know, they should be fed well. They should be, you know, given a nice place to roam around, all that kind of stuff. But, sure. Uh, I, you know, to what extent do they have rights? Have cows ever sort of been like... You know, gather together and be like, no, you're not going to kill us today, right? There's a great joke that uh, made that you made me think of. A DEA agent shows up at the uh, farmer's farm, and the uh, farmer says, uh, uh, you know, and the DEA agent says, oh, there's been farmers growing marijuana around here. I'm going to have to check your farm. And the farmer says, well, that's fine, but don't go in the back 40. And the DEA agent shows him his badge, and he says, you know who I am and you know who I work for? I'll go wherever I want. The farmer says, all right. So he goes in the back 40 and the, uh, the, he's, he gets in there. He's looking around for marijuana plants. He gets in the middle of the field and suddenly a bull comes charging after him. And uh, the farmer's at the fence watching him run from the bull. And he says, show him your badge. <laughs> show him your badge. I don't know what sort of fine point. I, I don't like 
putting two final points on things, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know what delineating point I would use between humans and non-humans to say that these rights belong to th- this species and this this set of rights belong to this other species. To me, I prefer to think of all living things as having more or less equal rights. And yet, I eat plenty of plants and I eat plenty of meat. Okay. So I, I think I'm just a hypocrite. Not even a hypocrite. I think I'm just immoral at that point to continue eating meat and consuming animal products. But well, maybe you need a new system for determining what is, has a right and what no, doesn't. because mine is actually consistent. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. So, I, but... I have to eat. Mine's something. consistent. I say that things that can recognize themselves in mirrors have rights. Well, that therefore, means, it's consistent. Th- this means my dog here has no rights. I don't think the dog does have rights. What other, I oh, think so, that so you include like chimpanzees, maybe dolphins, octopi, those sorts of things as having rights. Sounds right. I like elephants. Sure. Why does the ability to recognize oneself in the mirror have have any impact if on one's y- rights? In order for you to have rights, you must have a you first. If there is no, if you can't recognize yourself as distinct and different from other creatures, then it like and demonstrate that that's so. Then why in the world would I take any time to recognize any rights? Because rights are non-existent, right? Like they're they're not they are ethereal. Right. Um, they, as far as I'm concerned, they're a function of self ownership. But self ownership can't exist without self. Well, this goes back to the AI question that we had. To me, it doesn't matter if Indeed. a thing can assert its rights. It's on me to respect those rights and to treat it with compassion and dignity, whether it asserts the rights or not. Well, there's a difference between respecting a thing and then believing a thing has rights. Like, How can you respect it if you don't allow it rights? Well, for example, uh, I don't know, uh, think about uh, Native American uh, America before you know, colonization. Uh, the Native Americans would respect, uh, you know, packs of wolves, for ex- for example, uh, you know, territory stuff like that. But did they necessarily recognize that these animals have rights? Same thing with the buffalo. They would follow them around. They they would respect, you know, nature, so to so to speak, and say that okay, we're not going to just go over there and slaughter the whole herd because we depend on that. So we'll only slaughter the slow ones or the one that looks lame and and that kind of a thing. Help them thin the herd, but also feed ourselves and then make sure that they use every part of that so as not to, you know, so as to respect nature as to instead of violating it, knowing that they did need to kill to eat. I mean, it sounds like Hollywood's or- version of what Indians are, but all right. The okay, natural but- order is certainly, you know, might is right, right? Rights don't exist out there in the world, and a person really only has rights if they can assert them. That's realistically right. I mean, there's no doubt about that. However, my opinion is we have to transcend that. Just because it's naturally true doesn't mean that it has to be true, right? We, we can act as though it isn't, and in so doing, we can sort of grant other things rights. I think that there's um, there's fringe cases of what even life is. So um, you know the I think the difficulty is determining. You cannot exist if you recognize the life uh, the the rights of everything that has life. Right, life you, feeds on life. Right, life life is consumption, um, and so even, including all the other life that's not me too, and all the other life that's not me does not uh, engage in rights theory. Right. And so um, my opinion would be that, uh, you know, at the very least, you you got to pick your you got to pick where you decide to, um, you know, determine. And then at some point or another, nature, uh, you know, history will determine how correct we are. I support you in saying that all life has rights. I just don't think you're correct. Sure. And I think we need a different line. 
And I'm fine with drawing the line back. And you've taken extreme positions throughout your life. No surprise to me that you've taken this one extreme, too. But at this point, all you've said is, I choose to recognize the, the rights of everything that has uh, life. And you have no supportive information on it. I well, have at the very re- least, hold on, I have at the very least said that one cannot have self-direction um, without self. And I, I understand it isn't the most motivating of statements, but that's all there is. It's also fundamentally not true. To, to suggest that, you know, my cats or the dog there or even the, the spiders running around here don't have direction because they don't have a sense of self is fundamentally untrue. The, the spider does have a purpose. It does have a goal when it sets about doing a thing, and it does have a task that it aims to accomplish. Like that's building fine. a web in order to catch insects or whatever. And, and like I said, um, you know, the, the, there's, there's the fringe examples of what life is. Lichens on rocks, for instance, and, right. and things like this. I mean, you know, what kind of rights to those things? have um you know not very interesting chickens well, however has a purpose though and, and, and what it does what it does is very very basic well so let me ask you this if humans this is what this story is about which we have not yet gotten into um because we've 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 now we've we've expounded we've done, on what our theories on rights are we've so done what we do here on free talk live humans have uh created life that is different than the life that the earth has created And one would ask, what kind of rights do those have? The most successful animals on the planet are pigs, cows, chickens, and the things we eat. Insects are far more... Far more successful. Cockroaches. Numerous, um, I mean, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, animals that... But we'll have to continue this in a moment. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. I keep wanting to say at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, but really the Porcupine Freedom Festival has ended. Porkfest is about to begin. You can find out more about it at porkfest.party. That is the decentralized sort of continuation of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's the after party, so to speak. It's the cool kids after party, honestly. I mean, the, I would say it's the more hardcore, you know? It's it's largely people who live in New Hampshire. Yes, who stay for Fork Fest. So it's it's very much a more New Hampshire centric version of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. But I've also heard that they intend to to decentralize the Porcupine Freedom Festival planning at some point in the very near future. Time will tell whether or not that actually happens. But ForkFest.party, if you want to learn more about the event that's starting tomorrow, or the the set of events that's happening tomorrow, because Wait. I have no idea what's even going on at ForkFest this year. Yeah, me neither. But it occurs to me that if we're not at ForkFest and we're not at ForkFest, are we in Limbo Fest? I, I was just said we're at Rogers Campground. I, I used to think Purgatory of Fest. I, I think to, that uh, ForkFest is what you want it to be because it's a fork and everybody's fork is individual. Certainly. Well, I used to think of the entire two weeks as Fork Fest, you know? Yes, and yes. The, and the Porcupine Freedom Festival was just this aspect of it that occurred down at the bottom of the hill. Right. But the the cultural changes between the Porcupine Freedom Festival and, the, and Fork Fest have been so pronounced and so significant that I just can't pretend like that's still the case. It goes from, there is a rapid cultural shift that is going to take place throughout today and overnight, and yep. tomorrow is going to be a completely different festival. 
But we're talking here about animal rights, and it's way too early in the morning for me to try to put too fine a point on things. And I, I've made the argument plenty of times in the past, so if you want, you can you know, search our archives for Aria gets pedantic over animal rights or whatever. But I'm of the opinion that we should treat animals as though they have rights, right? Uh, to me, it's just discrimination on the basis of species to suggest that Animals aren't humans, therefore they have no rights. It's the same thing people said. It's the same thing that slave owners said in you know antebellum America. Well, they're not white; they don't have any rights. To me, discrimination against the basis of animals is just the the latest incarnation of that arrogance, that egotism that is rampant throughout humanity. To refuse to recognize anything that is different as equal, different but equal. All I know is that I think Mark's too chicken to get into the topic, but he'll keep pecking at it. Absolutely. But I realize that I eat meat. I just ate meat, for example. So I think this just makes me immoral, but that is my position. It would be like a a slave owner in, you know, antebellum America say, you know, I, I recognize that having a slave is immoral, but I'm going to have one anyway, which some of them like um, Thomas Jefferson did. Yep. They did, um, and you know they they cared for them as best they could in those circumstances. One would presume. Um, well, except for the ones he was, you know, raping. You cl- you use the term rape, but I suspect that she um, was trading sexual favors for a better life. But the power dynamic there, I think that qualifies as rape, though. The, you can call it what you want. I mean, sure. people have been trading sexual favors for a better life for a long time. Yeah, but not to someone and who bonobos to do it too. Own them. I mean, that that's where the power dynamic. That's like saying that you know your five year old child can consent because you can kick them out and starve them if they don't. Right. Ownership is a um, in in, a, in many cases a human creation. You know, well, yeah, I mean, but he could have had her, you know, put to death and stuff like that. He so, could have and didn't, uh, as evidenced by right, the fact because she was willing to sleep with him so to avoid those things. And, and it sounds like she was protected um, in many ways from the consequences of you know living where she lived at the time that she lived there. Uh, certainly not her fault because she was brought there. But um, one has to live in the planet that, like, it's it's really it's it's a tragedy. We're all stuck to the planet with gravity, but we are, yeah. and that's the reality we live in. And yeah, that's I'm the reality she lived in. to say that a slave having sex with her owner somehow isn't rape. But anyway, we're talking about chickens. All right. So let's get into that. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, chickens. So Costco, we've been trying to talk about chickens for quite a few minutes. Costco has a $5 rotisserie chicken. Are you aware of this? I am aware, yes. Okay. I don't know that I would want to eat a five dollar rotisserie chicken. Oh, they're chicken. just like every other store bought rotisserie yeah. chicken. It's a it's loss just, leader. It's just they, they charge more at different stores, six bucks, seven bucks, whatever it is. And so they created their own factory to be able to cut costs um, for the creation of their chickens. And because they've been so successful with it, um, and by the way, these chickens aren't treated any different in all likelihood than any other chicken. But let me go on with. Uh, well, with are it. these factory farm chickens, or of I course mean, they, they are. Well, then they are treated drastically different from other chickens. Well, the vast majority of chickens in on the planet, including chicken. the chicken, the last ten chickens you consumed in all likelihood, are factory farm chickens. I think you chicken. underestimate how much organic stuff I eat. But organic, um, there's excuse there's, me, free range would be more precise. Yeah, free range is even. I mean, um, I live here. Is a New- step up. Okay, that's silly, Mark. We live here in New Hampshire. I know the people who grow my food. Oh, yeah. So you can know that, and you yeah. can know that in a variety of states. New it's, Hampshire certainly isn't singular in that particular area. I didn't say it was, area. but it's bold of you to suggest that I'm out there eating Tyson chicken. And when I live in New Hampshire and I have a white, there's Bardo Farms right down here. 
Bardo Farms is here, but um, there are other places that are preparing chicken, and I suspect they are not uh, paying much attention as to how they Certainly. create When them. I eat out and stuff like that, I generally The vast have majority no. of chickens that are consumed in America today are factory farm chickens. Would yes. you agree with that statement? I never said that statement was wrong. Thank you. Let me go on. Um, the, so these but $5 chickens... But is horrific and immoral. Can I just get through the three paragraphs that are important in this story so that we can then talk about all these things that are so? I mean, I agree with you. Animals have rights, Aria. I just disagree as to when and where they get rights. All right? Hold on, please. I, still I don't think, think you're... Mark has ever been on Free Talk Live before. I, I, think, I still think he's chicken. <laughs> so... Um, Let's see. The suit alleges that Costco intentionally breeds its broilers too large um, to stand in their own factory farms, and dis- the disabled birds die slowly from hunger, injury, and illness. Now, not all the birds die from this thing. The disabled ones do. Um, and this is true, mind you. I mean, I you, thought you wanted to get through the three paragraphs before we wait in, but go of on. Of the free, free-range chickens, uh, uh, which I have raised... <laughs> They are also basically disabled. They can barely have to. They can walk a few steps, then they flop back down. See, because I've seen chickens out on farms and stuff like that, especially in the South. And none of the chickens that I've ever seen in person at one of these places could possibly have produced the gigantic chicken breasts that you see in the grocery store at Walmart. Sure. Those things are absolutely pumped full of steroids. There's two types of chickens. There's egg layers, which is likely what you're seeing uh, hopping around and doing their things. And then there's um, and you can eat those obviously after they get to be like two years old and then there's uh the broilers the ones that are made for food and those can barely walk they they're basically nine weeks when they're slaughtered and it's uh yeah see this is where this is where i i, I generally don't mind genetically modified organisms right i think it's yeah. perfectly fine until you get to a point like this where these these chickens they're talking about the broilers they are effectively genetically modified it was done through a long period of breeding and trial and error stuff sure. like that but it's essentially selection the is the right term yeah well it's still gen- we still genetically modified then we just use natural processes in order to do it okay and we created this this type of chicken that cannot survive past nine weeks to me, that's that's a black mark on the stain of human history. I think that it, what it is is we're trying to get efficient about what we raise and those sorts of things. But the chicken doesn't know any different, right? Like, it's just got the life it has, and that's how that goes. I mean, you wouldn't advocate for doing away with uh, handicapped people either. So no, we're basically we just breed breeding handicapped to, chickens. No, no, we didn't breed people to be handicapped, though. That's just something that happens. Sometimes. Sometimes they do it to themselves. I don't, I don't know that you... Do you want to leave that statement in? There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. 
thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. It is Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I keep saying that. It's not really the Porcupine Freedom Festival anymore. It is sort of a nothing kind of day. People, a lot of people are packing up and leaving. It was a video that was coming. I wouldn't want to be packing up in this 90-degree heat, but I mean, I guess they got to do what they got to do. We are here on site at Rogers Campground, though, and I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com because that's where you need to go if you want to learn about cryptocurrency. If you don't already know about this important world-changing technology, go to Bitcoin.com, click getting started at the top of the page, and take just a few minutes out of your day to watch a few videos. They're really short, like two or three minutes, and they'll teach you the basics about this world-changing technology. And they have more resources there. You can dig as deeply into it as you want. And if you already know about Bitcoin, head on over to news.bitcoin.com to stay up to date on all of the news and headlines that are relevant to you, all on a sleek, easy-to-use modern website. That's news.bitcoin.com. Talking about a wide variety of subjects here that ultimately began with a discussion of a Costco chicken. Right. Well, Costco's gotten a reputation around its chickens. It uses it as a loss leader, and some people swear by them. They say they're better. It's probably seasoning. Um and you know these sorts of things so once you get successful enough then other people will begin to rip at your clothing to tear you off the mountains so that they can then take your place and that's what's happened with the, t- the costco yeah, so far i'm getting the vibe that this is you know we've heard the animal activists you know story before in several different ways whether it's you know some laboratory performing experiments for you know you know against disease or whatever and that kind of a thing so i i'm getting that vibe from this but go on mark Yep, in 2021, Mercy for Animals, I wonder what their uh, main concern is, uh, filmed undercover scenes of injured chickens in a crowded factory. Um, Of course, the healthy chickens, not as interesting. Um, On one of the farms, the video led to a story from a prominent New York Times opinion writer titled The Ugly Secrets Behind the Costco Chicken. Um, Probably as they were munching on chicken as they uh, wrote the story. So this is, you know, basically Why do you the sum just total. assume everyone is a hypocrite. I think that, um, you, it, well, for one, you're not going to stay vegan long, right? Like uh, the, the the life of them some, seems to be quite short. Um, you know, they, they 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 it's like they're they they flash out and say, "Hey, everything is important," and then you know they collapse because, frankly, it's not a healthy way for to exist. I don't know who, what vegans you're basing that assessment on. I know plenty of vegans who have been vegans for like 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, usually it's... Uh, vegetarianism ve- is far more common. I know a lot more people... Vegetarianism is a pretty healthy way to live. Yeah, and they're not eating chicken. Gen- generally not. So this, But this chickens wouldn't exist without it, right? If it wasn't for our consumption of chickens, they wouldn't be nearly as popular, as prevalent of a species and successful. Yeah, but they're bred to be slaughtered, so I, I, I don't think that really makes them successful, the fact that humans enjoy eating them. It's a, man, it's a, it's a manner of d- uh, determining success. Uh, you know, you haven't presented another d- determination of success. So, 
that's what I'm saying is is that there's I, lots I don't of them. think that being bred to be slaughtered and eaten by a predator is a measure of success. It is for the predator. I mean, like, it think is about, for the predator. Think yeah, about that. I mean, how many predators successful? Keep how many predators actually have learned to keep domestic? We're not talking animals. about whether or not humans are successful. You said chickens are successful. Because they are. There's being, a lot of them. Yes, because they're being bred and devoured by predators. That's not success. Why I saw okay. a chicken driving around in a three-piece suit and a Tesla the other day. <laughs> the uh, that's how others would would define success. Reproduction is generally the um, you know determination of success because people get really upset when things go extinct, right? So the opposite of uh, extinct is reproduction. There you go. That's my. Uh, I don't think that's solely a measure of success, but whatever. So all right, Costco has these chickens. Have you ever seen like the documentary um, Food Inc. or Earthlings or any of these others? I've seen Food Inc. I know. When I think of you know what factory farming and animal testing and these other things are actually like, you know, they present this idea, this image of oh, we're just, we're just shampooing the fur on the bunnies or whatever. But no, the realities of animal testing is horrific. It's far more like the Dr. Fauci thing, where they where they severed the vocal cords of beetles in order to test what happened when sand flies ate them alive. Right? That's generally more what animal testing looks like. And I realize that the Dr. Fauci thing got a lot of coverage because he's Dr. Fauci and these are beagles, but that. Animal testing like that is going on every single day right. in the United States and throughout the world. I understand that many of these things, animal testing and factory farms, are distasteful. I'm curious. Immoral. It's I, a, it's I don't immoral. know whether I think that's true after having no, raised animals. Um, because I kept my animals in a very sustainable and very humane way because I knew that's what the market wanted. But I could see what it might be like. I mean, believe me, my animals were far crueler to my animals than I ever could have been. Absolutely. Because they are very cruel to each other. And it's difficult for me to be like, yeah, you know. And if you got, if you, you don't caught think you're the one responsible day, for being better than they are? You, if you caught the one day that I hit one of my pigs in the head with a wrench, you would have, you know, you've caught that one moment, right? That on film, you'd have been like, oh my God, I can't believe he'd do that. It was actually a pair of pliers, excuse me. Did you um, mean to do it? I meant, I meant to do it. He had just attempted to mount me and shove me into an electric fence, and I was trying to get him off of me, right? And well, that, was, that, that would qualify. But that wouldn't matter because all you got to see in the film was the boink, pair of pliers to the uh, noggin. By the way, it didn't hurt him. I mean, he's No, that would like qualify as self-defense pigs. anyway. So, I mean. Well, well, now it's self-defense, but I have to survive well, yeah. and I have to eat. That's how self-defense works. I mean, if something, you know, attempts to do something to your physical body without your consent. You are allowed to defend yourself, and that is defense, self-defense. But, I mean, there's a, there's a big—you didn't run a factory farm, right? You ran a, a normal farm. The conditions of these factory farms, you seem to be portraying this, this idea that, you know, people are just taking Monsanto and Tyson and Costco out of context. You know, if you ignore the, the 5,000 living chickens— you, it's the 1,000 crippled, disabled, dying ones isn't really that bad. I don't want to excuse that because what they're doing is still immoral. It's still tantamount to enslavement of animals and torture of animals. I don't know how long um, it takes them to go find the chickens. I know that the practicalities of life on a farm are such that an animal may suffer for a period of time. I had one pig. George Washington was his name. Uh, he uh, broke his hip. And I don't know how long his hip was broken. 
Did you make him wear like a white wig? <laughs> he was a, a largely white pig. Uh, I have a, a question. So we're talking loosely about animal rights yeah. within the context of these chickens, and we've mentioned it before. So outside of the human construct, right, or humans themselves, you know, if, if tomorrow Mother Earth wiped humans off the planet, who is there to recognize and give animals their rights? Well, I think the vast majority of domesticated animals will simply perish um, as a result if humans just poof, disappeared. And this is, to some extent, what PETA believes, too, because PETA uh, euthanizes animals uh, in droves when they get them because yeah. they're like, well, these aren't real animals. They're human-created animals. Yeah, but and no real animal rights activist has any support for PETA whatsoever, unless they're just completely ignorant of what PETA is actually doing. PETA is not an animal rights organization. They're, they're a euthanasia program for animals. That sounds accurate. And they're also sort of a marketing arm. They've got a good name, people yeah. for the ethical treatment of animals. Well, because people don't know what they're really doing. So I'm just thinking here that it seems to me that rights are a human construct. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That there's no, like, an, the animal world doesn't really, they don't think of rights. They don't seem to, ex, I mean, they do in, like, whatever their instincts are, their pack mentality, that kind of a thing. So they, they may do something that seems like exercising rights, but I don't think it's the same thing as we humans think of it. So if humans recognize that other humans have rights, are we the only species then that recognizes that animals may have rights. On as Earth. far as I'm aware, I mean, my cats don't recognize that, you know, the mice have rights or anything like that. They just right. kill them. But, you know, that's just nature being nature. The question is, are humans any different from that? And should we be, should we act like we're any different from that? Well, I think we already do because we, I mean, I recognize that other humans have rights. But that's other humans. My cat doesn't kill and eat other cats either. Right. But then if, if as you say, you recognize that animals have rights then you as a human are making that recognition that other animals have rights. The animals themselves are not making that recognition. Right. There is more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Absolutely, extremely hot day, sitting at about 90 degrees already, and it's just now about to be noon. It's going to get hotter, I fear, and that's why we're, we're sort of plowing through the show here, because the longer we're out here, the hotter we're going to get. And I'm going to end up wanting to go swimming at some point, and I'd like to have the show resolved by that point. But with you today, it's Aria. And Mark. And the captain. And of course, Roe versus Wade has been overturned by the Supreme Court. And I've got an interesting article here from MSNBC about how contact tracing can be used to prosecute people who leave for other states to get abortions. And I love this concept because the liberals were all about 
the contact tracing, you know, a year and a half ago because it was to prevent a pandemic. And we said, no, we don't, we don't want that because that information can later be used against you if you're doing something the government doesn't like. And lo and behold, not even two full years later, they're like, hey, we could use these contact tracing apps to find out that, you know, Janet left Mississippi to go get an abortion. Yeah, these the contact tracing apps and then the social, you know, whatever we were calling those, the things that China rolled out, the social credit apps, like these apps have so many features built into them that, of course, other people are going to find purposes for the individual features, and we're going to eventually have them rolled out to folks in the United States of America because of that. It's, uh, I don't know what the right term is, but it's like mission creep, right? The, yeah. These things have so many features built into them that there are going to be other purposes found for them, and they will eventually be deployed one way or another. Yeah, the the thing that scares me about contact tracing uh, apps is is that first they start out as voluntary to so that you can help with the pandemic, right. and then they turn into something that's not so voluntary. Now, as far as I'm concerned, if a liberal that was for contact tracing when COVID was going around gets contact traced at abortion time and has to deal with the government, well, that's the government they wanted. That was know, the government they were looking for. I'm aware and they're getting of that. the government they deserve, and I say. Good, because we're never going to have a better government if people don't have to deal with the consequences of bad government. Like, well, all government is bad government. Agreed. I, 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 I tend to think that uh, government can be abused a great deal. However, we will always have governance. What you're talking about is a tyrannical, uh, non-voluntary state, and I'm fine with that. But, um, you know, these uh, ultimately... If it comes down to this, this is just how the deck chairs are arranged on the Titanic as it sinks. Sure. And that's what uh, what this whole thing comes down to. I say, if you want contact tracing, you should be traced. Yes, but as often happens, I don't think they realize the ramifications of what they were doing. And there's no other way for them to find I out. Know, I know. <laughs> but because we're all going to get caught. These same people advocated for me to be traced non-voluntarily. Yes. So have a little non-voluntary. That's, that's kind of the issue here is that we're going to get caught in the crossfire of their non-voluntary stuff. I'm not. I'm, I've left the United States uh, back in 2020. Uh, it seems like I keep on showing back up here, but ultimately um, this is... This is the probable, almost certain future of the most technologically advanced government the world has ever seen. So keep in mind, this is coming from MSNBC, so they're... um they're a bit hysterical about Roe versus Wade. In overruling Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court has turned back the clock on women's rights and, by extension, individual liberties for all of us. Reproductive privacy is in danger, and our current lack of digital privacy protections makes this problem even worse. A lot of data that companies collect on consumers can be used against people if state governments choose to prosecute individuals seeking or providing abortions. So they're finally realizing, you know, a decade late, that all of this GPS tracking on your, whether contact tracing or not, all of the GPS location data that every single app I've ever installed to my phone requires me to allow, even if it has no, no rational justification for requiring location data. Yep. So they finally realized that that might actually be an issue. 
And of course, I, they want government to create privacy protections and things like that. When I just want to be able to install a damn app. Yes, let's have the largest violator of privacy ever known to mankind in the entire history of Earth create something that's going to give you privacy. How is that going to go? Poorly. I think that um, I, I just want to make the, make it clear that if you come to New Hampshire from Massachusetts and you buy some fireworks or you drive without your seatbelt on, it's ridiculous that Massachusetts might uh, come after you for some kind of uh, you know law violation for things done outside of the territory that they claim. However, I would expect these uh, uh, you know these these pro life lunatics out there um, that say, "Hey, look, uh, this is." You know, it's terrible. You went to another state and had an abortion. That's our baby. We were going to tax it later. Yeah, that's you an know? interesting thing to talk about, which is this geographic jurisdiction that states, countries, you know, other forms of government yep. claim. That's all about to be challenged. Well, not necessarily, right? Like, it's already illegal to, to plan a flight to, like, Cuba or something like that to hire a 14-year-old prostitute. That's already against the law, and the United States will prosecute you for that. It's, it's true, it is, and this is one of those areas that I would prefer not to defend the people that one needs to defend, but there's, there, is, there is an argument, the legal argument, for defending the undefendable, and this is one of those circumstances. I do not think that it is appropriate for an organization that claims a monopoly privilege and the use of violence in a given landmass to go outside of its landmass in order to claim that something is illegal. And I think that every that a state that says that X is legal, um, you know, that homosexual sex is, is legal in their jurisdiction, and then they go, uh, the person goes back to another jurisdiction where it's not, and having participated in this, um, is then prosecuted. I feel that the state um, that, that it was legal in, the legal state, has the right to send troops in and begin shooting the troops, the, the police officers that, uh, you know, did the, uh, the act of arresting that person. I mean, if these are organizations of violence, we pay them to do violence. They should be doing violence on our behalf. How did Mark become, like, the most radical, I, extreme person on the show? I don't know. And all of a sudden, did, did I just hear Mark advocate for... State violence? Shooting? You, he advocated for war. That's what I, I he advocated. I, that's what they go. That's what nations go to I was, war about. I just about, thought you were a peace advocate in the modern uh, life. Look, if we're going to have states and they're going to claim, uh, you know, violence, that's what their job is, right? Like that, they don't mind doing it to us. Well, the reason they don't do it to each other is because there's consequences, right? Ultimately, we can see that they they come after us because we're peaceful. They don't go after each other because they're not. Right. I just want to be clear here because I was under the impression that you were a peace hack advocate. I would like states to be peaceful. Location data can show if a person visited an abortion clinic. Payment data can show if someone paid for a procedure. Well, that's a banking issue. If, they, if you pay in cryptocurrency, then there is no such data. Well, banks, um, the government, uh, or banks, but I repeat myself. Yeah. Messaging data can show if an individual talked to friends about getting an abortion. Again, use encrypted chats, Signal, Telegram, all of these great wire is also acceptable. Yep. Even I've talked to people who are like, I just don't want another messaging app. I like my iPhone messaging, what, iMessage or whatever it is, and I don't want to use another. I don't need to fill my phone up with this stuff. And I kind of understand the position. I don't like the 
um, you know, the confusion that goes into this stuff. But SMS is basically a postcard. It can be read by anybody who um, can get a hold of that stuff. It yeah. isn't difficult, though, to, to install Signal and set it as your default messaging app. Yeah, it's like not to a, it's you, like two I mean, and to me, right? Uh, I don't know about Mark, for example, and I know plenty of people who just don't have the technical aptitude to install an app on their own phone. The main feature with SMS is ubiquity. And um, I do find that I use Signal, and I would prefer people use Signal, but it isn't the greatest messaging app out there. Frankly, I think Telegram's a better messaging app. The problem with Telegram is, is I have to hope that... Um, you know what I consider Telegram to be safe now, but will it be safe in ten years? The data bank database that they have of all my messages going back time immemorial might be taken by the Russian government or the Chinese government or the U.S. government. As I understand um, it, they don't have access to those messages. They have access to all the messages in group chats and things like that. But the other messages they they do pass through their servers, but they're encrypted. How do they show up on my phone when I reinstall uh, Telegram? Okay, so, okay, fair point. I don't think... I, I don't think know if they do. I've never been in that position of reinstalling Telegram like that, so I don't know. I well, think they're centrally um, stored. We're, okay. we're getting away a bit from the story, but uh, we've seen uh, this sort of state jumping before. Uh, when I was growing up, it was the, the drinking age, right? In, the, in Wisconsin, mm. it was uh, they were one of the last states to go to 21, so all the 19-year-olds would drive across state to drink. Yeah. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live here for about another week at Rogers Campground. Fork Fest is getting ready to begin. It's shaping up tomorrow. And I'm judging by the people not pulling their tents down, I think they have until 2 or 3 o'clock to check out from their camping sites. But some people aren't even like, they're, they're clearly not doing it today because they haven't even started. So it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. Of course, you can find out more about the upcoming festival at ForkFest.party. That is ForkFest.party. We're talking here about privacy and the many ways in which government overreach is creating this situation where messaging data can show if an individual talked to friends about getting an abortion and things like that. Payment data can show if someone paid for a procedure. Location data. That's not one that libertarians have an easy access answer to, short of, you know, rooting your device and installing some sort of GPS spoofing thing or using a Faraday bag. That's well, one of these bags that you throw your phone in and it completely severs all communications to the outside world. A couple of things should happen that don't. One, hardware manufacturers should build privacy into their devices. So when you buy your iPhone or Android device, uh, you have ultimately all of the control as to whether or not you want location services to be broadcast or not, depending on what it is you are or aren't doing. There are manual ways to get around that. Faraday bags, for example, you can put your phone in a Faraday bag, turn it off, and generally speaking, you're good to go. That doesn't mean your history is unavailable. The other thing uh, outside of the devices is that uh, government, no matter what flavor or variety of government, should have no ability to access any of that whatsoever. Certainly. 
But I mean, the, these private, I, I don't expect Samsung or Google or any of these others to take my privacy seriously. I feel like that's my no, response. it's too valuable to them. Yeah. Well, no, it, whether or not it's valuable to them is irrelevant. It's my responsibility to take privacy seriously. It's not, it's not your responsibility to not look into the wide open curtains in my house. It's my responsibility to pull the blinds before I get naked, right? And this is why I'm creating the Edge phone. Is this going to be similar to the to the McAfee phone that he envisioned a number of years ago? I don't know anything about the McAfee phone. Perhaps wait, I just need to uh, wait. Uh, is it going to be it? like the uh, like the senior citizens phone, where it's like twice the size, really big buttons? That would be useful for like, me. In literally, particular. all it does is make calls. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one is going to uh, um, allow you to to spoof your location. I think it's very important. Well, spoofing your location is possible now. Right, I right. used to do it when I'm playing. not claiming it's not, but is it possible for the bottom 50% of phone users? And that's really what I'm trying to solve is, is just buy this phone, this one will solve your problem. And see, this is an interesting question. To me, not knowing how to do something relatively simple like rooting your phone or even having someone else root your phone and then installing a GPS spoofing app that's the equivalent of driving a vehicle without knowing how to check oil or knowing how to how to change a tire right it's reckless this is a a critical piece of your life we all need these little cell phones here in order to survive to be completely and totally ignorant of how to make significant changes to this thing is insane it is insane however it still happens way more frequently i think than you're giving it credit it's irresponsible let's say that no, I know. I know the frequency at which it happens. I mean, I did IT for ten years, so yeah. I'm well. I'm yeah. well aware of how ignorant the average person is when it comes and to. And you brought privacy. up the driving analogy too, and I'm like, that's like most drivers don't know how to change a tire or check an oil. I know, or- and when they have a flat tire, I can't. And they they're sitting there on the side of the road for hours, going, "Oh my god, I don't know what to do." I can't feel bad for them. Right? You should learn the basics of these things long before you lose technology. Just like you should learn about Bitcoin before you get it. You should learn how to change a tire before you drive well, a car. In the case of drivers, though, like the market has stepped in and provided things like roadside assistance. You know, uh, organizations like AAA, you know, sort of were the pioneers of that kind of thing. But now it's like wrapped up into your insurance if you have car insurance, that type of thing. We're a little different here in New Hampshire where vehicle insurance isn't required by law, which is great, by the way. But uh, in other states, it is required by law. But the market has stepped in for those who maybe they can't. Maybe they're disabled, elderly, whatever. You know, there is an option. Or if you just don't want to learn, you can certainly pay for this service. Whereas in the case of privacy, the market has not stepped in. Nobody, with the exception of a few folks that we happen to know in the freedom community. That's what I was about to mention. That's the sad thing. The market hasn't stepped in because there's no market for it. The average person just doesn't care. Because when it comes to privacy in this way, you have to sacrifice ease of use and convenience for enhanced privacy. And most people just aren't willing to make that, make that sacrifice. What's the statistical likelihood of your phone being bricked, as they say, destroyed, ruined for, from rooting? I've I've rooted a number of devices in my day. Uh, I bricked one of them. Okay, and that was that was a Verizon phone that I was trying to use towel root with, and it was que- it was a questionable decision I had made from the beginning. Okay, and I I made the person aware that there was a very high chance that it wasn't going to work, and in fact it didn't. Yeah, or maybe it wasn't Verizon. It was I, I don't remember the exact carrier, 
But it, it wasn't a good method, and it was one I had never used before. Because normally you just connect it to your computer, you you run the Odin software, you find the the f- firmware that you want, the flash that you want, and you just power up the phone in a certain way. It's usually like hold up and the home button and the power button or something like that, and that puts it into quote recovery mode. Right. And then you just click a button on your computer, you wait a little while, and then it's done. It's usually a very simple process. The only hangups are that you know you have to know you have to look for the right version of the the self the firmware that you want to install. You can't just install that. There's no generic Windows 10, so to speak, that you're installing onto every phone. You have to find the one that's specific to your exact device. Right. Right now, the, all of the words that you just said about that process have gone over anybody who has never done anything like that before's head. Yeah, I know, and I know, and that's regrettable. Also, I think that's more than changing the tire and changing the oil and putting gasoline in a car. I think this is much more like you know fixing the timing belt kind of thing. I think changing the oil is probably easier than rooting a phone. Honestly, do you change your own oil? No, I pay someone yeah, to do it. Changing changing oil is relatively easy, especially if you have the syringe to just suck it out of there. But um, right, but even the capable pay point, somebody you're... else to do it. Yeah, well, my time is valuable. I, I agree. But if you use a syringe, that doesn't replace the oil filter, right? I mean, that it's easier to just get under there and twist off the oil filter, right? Well, you got to drive it up on something. You have to have the uh, okay, yeah, the blocks right. to drive it up on. And well, I mean, or, or put it up or on a jack or, or something. something. Yeah, but yeah, it's something that I pay people to do. And if I wanted, if I had a phone that I wasn't comfortable with, like my phone here isn't rooted. Um, kind of don't have a choice on that one. I mean, I'm under federal restrictions here, and it's also not worth it to me. Right, at this so you've point. got more spyware on your device than the average person does. Right. Court-mandated spyware. Yeah. No, I have no court-mandated spyware. Anything that they're listening on my phone, they, they got through a, through a secret warrant or something like that. Oh, right? okay. So I'm lucky in that capacity, but it does me no good to have a rooted device because I can't take advantage of any of the privacy benefits or anything like that. I can't even use Signal, right? I'm using plain SMS to communicate with people. So what the hell good is having a rooted private device going to do to me when all of my communications are not encrypted? Right. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it may be... Rooting your phone may be more like you know replacing a timing belt than it is something like that. But I don't know that the average person shouldn't be able. There's a major self sufficiency problem here in the United States. I, I kind of think. Do you think aver- people in other countries can root their phones? No, I, I was going to mention more just generally. I think the average person should be able to replace their timing belt in their vehicle. They should be able to replace their spark plugs and things like that. And instead of taking the lazy approach like I do and outsourcing those to other people, I do know how to replace my – I've replaced a timing belt. I did I'd it on my Camaro. Yeah, it's been a long yeah, time. I, I've, yeah. I've watched a YouTube video on it. There's no way I'm doing it. No, it's, it's just not going to happen. I feel more comfortable knowing that an expert has done it. So I, I know it's done right at that point, and that's what I find valuable. That's what I find to be worth paying for. But uh, the average person out there, you know, who's living paycheck to paycheck, or actually like 70% of Americans are living paycheck to yeah. paycheck, it may be worth it to learn how to change your own spark plugs, yeah. right? That's a relatively easy one. How to replace your alternator, your water pump. These are usually very simple components that a person can replace. And... It, it may not bring you any financial benefit to learn how to root your own devices, but it's still a good idea. And as we're going to be talking about, it could help protect you from the government when you start doing things that the government doesn't like. The government of one state doesn't like. And there's more to talk about that particular subject as well, because it's insane that, like, New Hampshire would prosecute me for going down to Massachusetts and smoking a joint. And that's essentially what they're arguing here in regard to abortion. Oh, I think I still think that the point of 
asking government to give you privacy is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because their preference is for you to have none. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Fan Freedom Festival here. Well, I keep saying that. Sports of habit. I've been saying that every day for the last, Wait, like... is it Sunday? It is Sunday. So then the next time you do the top of a segment, just go, and we're back. Because that's what we do on Sundays. Ah, uh, I usually don't. I know. But anyway... I just wanted to get one in. Gotcha. Do you want liberty in your lifetime? Later this year, Mark is speaking at Free Cities Foundation's annual conference, Liberty in Our Lifetime. It's in the beautiful city of Prague from October 21st through the 23rd. And it showcases autonomous cities and intentional communities that are springing up around the world, offering opportunities for settlers to live for your lives. The conference this year is Parallel Structures for Progress. It will explore physical developments and parallel structures emerging in education and finance that offer alternatives for people looking for better ways to learn, educate their children, and invest in their future. Free Private Cities is offering all Free Talk Live listeners a special 20% discount on tickets, which can be claimed when checking out on Eventbrite with the promo code FTL20. So go to LifetimeLiberty.com, get your tickets now, use code FTL20 for a 20% discount. With you today is Arya, Mark, and the Captain, and we are talking about the importance of privacy and all of these other things in a world where prosecutors, a lot of prosecutors are actually saying that, you know, we're not going to prosecute people for getting abortions or whatever, but states, especially the conservatives, ones that want to outlaw abortion, they do want to make it illegal somehow for you to leave one state and go to another in order to get an abortion, which is... And that is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It would be like saying that, oh, you know, because this state has uh, recreational marijuana and this, the state that you're in doesn't, that you can't go across state lines and purchase recreational marijuana. I think that's true, though. I, I don't think you can, and you certainly can't bring it Absolutely back. Absolutely you can. Well, uh, certainly not bring it back. Um, no, I, I think you're violating... You're violating some down, law. That, I'm not saying it's it's justified, but I think they do have some law in the books. Because I used to live in a dry county, and you would absolutely get pulled over for going to the county line liquor store, buying some alcohol, and bringing it back. They would pull you over, so and they would arrest my you. My experience has been this. I drove uh, in a New Hampshire licensed car and a New Hampshire driver's license. I drove to Massachusetts, where they have a recreational marijuana store. Uh, they had actual policemen uh, as sort of bouncers, if you will, yeah. on the entrance, checking your ID to make sure that you're over 21. I showed them my New Hampshire ID. They said, hey, welcome. And I went in, I made my purchase, and then I left. Well, that's the people in Mass. Uh, Mass isn't going to prosecute you because it's legal there. Right. But if a New Hampshire cop or if a New Hampshire prosecutor had known and was able to prove that you went to Massachusetts in order to buy drugs and presumably bring them back... Whether or not you brought them back, I believe they and, the, and they cared enough. I believe they would attempt to prosecute you. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's justified. I just think the legal precedent is already there for them to do exactly that. We talked about fireworks sales and stuff like that. But I think I, the biggest example is, uh, as Captain said, the um, alcohol consumption in another location, not necessarily bringing it back. Because I think that's it's it's one thing if you're 
um, if you do something that's not legal in a zone that you're not in, it's another thing entirely if you bring something that's illegal into that zone. Arya, by the way, why would you ever move to a dry county? I was born there. Born there, huh? Yeah. Okay. I think that's the best excuse. Yeah. yeah. It seems... Uh, I mean, I just wonder, it's got to drive down property values tremendously because it seems like no one would want to live there. I don't drink, and I probably wouldn't want to live there just because, um, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't even sound that interesting. What if I wanted to have a party and people, you know, I wanted to buy alcohol for that party and it would be a pain. Well, in later years, uh, it was a little bit more lenient where they, they were... They were not as willing to pull people over for coming back with alcohol, and they would turn a blind eye for it. It is a it is a wet county now, I think. Yeah, but so. it's only like beer that you can buy. Or I I don't know the exact specifics because I don't live there anymore because I got away from that nightmare. But well, we every can... county is dry to some extent. Like even here in New Hampshire, you can't buy alcohol after like eleven o'clock or eleven thirty from stores or whatever. So it's yeah, completely right. arbitrary. Yeah. It's, and, and in Connecticut, you can't buy alcohol on Sundays, or maybe it's ap- after 5 o'clock on Sundays. It's, or before. Sunday. It's all asinine and ridiculous. So, so none of these are really wet counties. This, this other thing exists internationally between the United States and Canada. In Canada, uh, you could drink beer at 19. Still, as yeah. far as I'm aware, at least as of you know, like five years ago anyway. Sure. Um, and so there are bands who want to go on tour who are between the ages of, oh, say, 17 and 21, right? So a bunch of 20-year-olds, let's just say, for easy math. Uh, they can't go and play a regular venue in most states because it's illegal for them to be inside of a bar. You have to be 21-plus to go inside a bar. So they can't even go and do their craft you know, even for like low pay or whatever it is that they're just starting out. But what they can do is they can book themselves an entire tour in Canada because they can go up there and play all the venues and all of the shows. Now, is that immoral? No, I don't think so. I also no, don't, I don't think it's immoral for. I also you know, don't believe like it would be just... it would be right for the United States to prosecute them for doing so. Well, I think we all agree that it wouldn't be right, but it's that that doesn't mean that the United States wouldn't do it and they don't have legal precedent. There's plenty of legal precedent. Like when I was in high school, our music teacher was arrested because he was planning to fly to Thailand and marry some, you know, 14 year old girl or something like that. So, I mean, and he hadn't even done it like he was. And that's not illegal there in Thailand. Right. Right. He wasn't violating any of Thailand's laws, but the United States still arrested him. And there, there are still countless examples of them arresting people for, you know, flying to this place to engage in this activity that's illegal here, but not there. So right. they and already so, do it. And so the issue is, of course, is, is the privacy, right, with which you conduct these things. In, in my example with the bands, you could have just done that, and in the days before cell phones, nobody would have known. I mean, you would have probably told your friends, and venues would have printed posters, stuff like that. But because of the advent of cell phones and tracking technology and all these apps and GPS location and all that kind of stuff, it's very easy for an organization that you didn't give any permission to to track you and your location and where you've been and what you've done. It's very easy. The amount of data, uh, this was brought up uh, by uh, one of of our other co-hosts to me the other day, uh, and he said the amount of data that is being broadcast from your cell phone on a daily basis, even if you are conscious and you're aware and you try to take responsibility for that that information and not broadcast as much, is immense. The amount of data Absolutely. you're broadcasting on a daily basis is immense. And then now multiply that by basically the entire population of planet Earth. So the data that we're sending out is immense. And these companies have become ex- exceedingly good at 
um, using that technology. Like there's an there's a Facebook algorithm. I I don't know if it's publicly available, but it could predict with like an eighty percent accuracy just by reading someone's word choices on Facebook whether or not they're gay. And there's also this one like Target. Wait, Facebook has gaydar? Well, no, a, a, a third party has gaydar. Companies like Target have found that just analyzing consumer shopping history can help them predict when a shopper is pregnant. No, I, I've seen that. In fact, I think we might have covered a story about that where uh, the uh, the lady who got pregnant by her then husband had not told the husband. Uh, and the husband found out because he checked the mail. And in the mail was a catalog for expectant mothers. I think I remember reading a story along those lines. There is more coming up here about the important of pri- the importance of privacy and taking control of your information, preventing p- places like Target from knowing whether or not you're pregnant. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And again, it's not the Porcupine Freedom Festival any longer. However, it is. we are at Rogers Campground, and it's a beautiful day. It's a bit hot, but we are now talking with Jordan Page, who Mark says is the biggest name in libertarian music. So, Jordan, welcome. Uh, tell me a bit about what you do. Well, I, I've been touring all over the country and other countries for a long, long time. Uh, I kind of woke up to... All the things happening in the world that were beyond my scope of vision back in the uh, end of 2006. And I started writing songs about freedom and anti-war and just anti-political corruption. And I got the attention of the Ron Paul campaign. I started touring with the campaign and opening for Dr. Paul at major events. Uh, I think we did about two dozen major events with him. And, and i just been you know playing at liberty rallies, protests, festivals for, for many years. Um, I also do, I also have a technology company. We do you know blockchain technology-based initiatives, and we're working okay. on a, uh, a home education, homeschool blockchain platform right now called Firefly Education Network. And, uh, yeah, just, just trying to, to strike at the root of the tree of tyranny uh, at the education system because they have control of all of our children's minds. Right. So that's, that's, where, the, that's where I'm focusing my, my efforts right now. I was just here at Porkfest this week and did a couple of shows and just had a, had a wonderful time just talking smack about the state. Nice. Well, there were a number of musical shows at the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year. It was surprising, right? I, I don't recall ever seeing this many. The most I ever recall really seeing was down there at the pavilion. It was like one of these one of these one-off musicians where they do the drums and the guitar and the vocals and all of it. And none of it's really very good. It's just a, it's a, it's a neat little oddity that someone is doing the three instruments at once. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I've seen him a, a number of times here, yeah. Yeah, and it's cool, it's an impressive, but you know, musically, it, it doesn't really reach me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which one of these were you at around here? Because I know there were, like I said, there were several. I'm, I'm just curious which one of these was... So I was down the play? community tent on Friday uh, around s- from 6 to 8, and I do like a singer-songwriter thing with live loops, so I can play lead parts and accompaniments to myself as I loop. It's kind of like musical hibachi. Right. You know, you kind of build 
build it as you go. But uh, you know, that's the, the way I prefer to do my music as well. Yeah, yeah. And we also did it. We did a show freedom. over here at this campsite over here uh, last night for God it was four and a half hours. Wow. We, we had uh, we had we had a big crowd and it was oh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Very cool. So, what what sort of what inspired you to get? I mean, obviously, something inspired you to get into music. But what inspired you to take music and merge it with the ideas of liberty? So, uh, Aria, on December the first, two thousand six, I had this horrible nightmare about George Bush, and because he was president at the time, and right. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. And I wandered half asleep into my second bedroom where my computer was, and I just started typing in the, like half asleep, eyes half open. And when I woke up, I had finished whatever this was, this this piece of prose, and it turned out to be a song that uh, was beyond my scope of understanding. Okay, so I, I it was like a gift from God, from the universe, and I started playing it for people not really understanding the connotations and the references in the song and i was seeing the reaction people were having i was getting standing ovations for this song in particular and then i started getting offers to be on xm radio for this song getting offers to record the song for free it was weird you know peter yarrow from peter paul and mary heard the song and invited us up to come and meet him because he wanted to meet the person who wrote this song what's the, you know what what is this about and so i really like jumped head first into the information dark pool that's out there and you know and, yeah. and, and for two years just just educated myself uh, to, to almost to, I guess to almost to a fault like I, I made myself sick over it and but I, I all of the foundations in my life that I had built my understanding of reality on crumbled and I had to build them back up but but in a different light with a, with a different foundation and it, it it changed me fundamentally as a person and you know most of my music that i've written you know in the last you know 13 14 years has been has been you know songs about things that are actually going on or real people i write a lot of songs about martyrs or people that have been imprisoned unjustly like Schaefer cox we did a campaign for for Schaefer's release in 2019 and i did a song with his foundation we did a music video released it and i'm not i'm not saying that because of that this happened but we did like 50 podcasts educating the public about Schaefer, and there was a huge outpouring of 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 from the public of support for him and they shaved like 11 years off of his his 28 year sentence i hate so, to ask but but there's so much immorality done by the government that i can't keep track of all of them who, who we, was we, this we, again we, we could talk forever about that yeah so Schaefer cox was like a ron paul guy he's like one of our people he was running for a state office in Alaska in Fairbanks. He uncovered the fact that there was a major pedophile network and drug smuggling network going on within high levels of government and and businesses up there. And he he was learning about this from his, con his potential constituents as he was campaigning. So he started exposing that, and he poked the bear where the bear didn't want to get poked. And the FBI sent informants after him to infiltrate his life, trying to get him to incite him to violence. He he they they couldn't get him to do it. So they, they wanted him gone, so they, they tried to, to kill him a couple different times, him and his family. He, was, he, he and his family were actually held hostage by one of these FBI informants for a period of a week, I think. They finally escaped. The, a, a murder was planned. He was able to escape that, but they, but they captured him and sentenced him to conspiracy, two, two charges of conspiracy, because that's what they get you on when they have nothing on you. And they sentenced him to 28 years. For, for, for two charges of conspiracy, okay? Conspiracy Stunning. to murder a, fe a, a federal agent and conspiracy to do something else I can't remember and a bogus weapons charge. So one of those conspiracy charges was dropped 
and so and at, at his resentencing, so they they shaved off like eleven years of his sentence. He should be out in a year and a half to two years. Um, wow, but, that's but, but, a story th- I'd never th- heard before. This is one of our people. Like like you would love Schaefer Cox. He is he's the guy. He was he was drawing nine hundred to a thousand people at every rally he held. He was also in command of a thirty five hundred man militia up in up in Fairbanks, Alaska. And 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 but he was exposing the pedophile rings and that's why they went after him. I'm convinced that's why they went after him. So if you go to freeshafer.org, you learn all about him, you can donate to Schaefer's Angels, his uh his um his foundation and so we so I got a hold of his book of poetry and song lyrics and I wept. Because this guy's me. Sure. He, I mean like he is me, you know what I'm saying? And I, I I but he's in this prison. They had him in a communications management unit, which is basically Guantanamo Bay in America. They shipped all the guys from, from Gitmo up to this unit in Terre Haute, Indiana, and they put Schaefer in with all of them. And they did all of this essentially because he tried to expose corruption in Alaska. That is correct. That sounds about right for the government. So did you ever figure out what it was about this particular song that was so unique that got people's attention? To the extent I, that it did, you know, I, I don't know, man. It, 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 they, they censored the song so hard that like every every outlet, like I would see the views go down. They okay. would they would get to twenty eight thousand, and they'd be at twenty six thousand, or or they might never get like I mean like there was no reason for these views to have been so low on this particular song. I've got other songs that have hundreds of thousands of views. This song never got above thirty. Okay, and I was on fifty different shows, at least fifty different shows, with Angela Clemens, who's the head of his foundation, and we just spread it far and wide. And and but the video on, I think on Facebook, it did get, was it almost a million views? It was like a, close to a million views on Facebook before they took it down. And what and was I'm, their reason for taking it down? I mean, did they give a reason? I know often they don't. Community standards. <laughs> or, or they say something vague like that. They they never give me reasons. I've been shadow banned on most social media platforms. Like I can't even advertise on YouTube or any Google platforms. As soon as they see my name or my email address or anything related to me, they will immediately shut it down. I feel your pain. I can't. I, know how I you can't can advertise even, on the radio. <laughs> All right, right on. I can't even give Google money at this point. Like through Google Play or any of their other services, if I run out of Gmail space or Google Drive space, I'm like, hey, I need to pay you fifteen dollars, you know, for additional space. They won't do it. Yeah, yeah. So that means you're doing something right. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's absolutely a mess. The world that we live in. So, where can people go if they want to find more about your music? Jordanpage.net, J O R D A N P A G E dot net is my website for my music and activism. And yeah, you are can you find on them. SoundCloud or Spotify or any of these others? I'm on every platform there awesome. is. My distributor has me on everyone. You can stream me on Amazon. You can buy me on iTunes or where, wherever online music is sold. I'm there. Well, keep up the great work. And you said that's jordanpage.com? Dot net. Jordanpage.net. Sorry. That's why I wanted the clarification. I couldn't remember. All right. Well, thank you so much for sitting in with us. And, you know, keep up the great work. And thanks for informing me about this. What was this guy's name again? Schaefer Cox. Freeschafer.org is the website for him. Freeschafer.org. There is more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Festival. Yeah, it's not the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Eventually, I'm going to quit saying that, but it, it might be a little while longer before I you know, completely break that habit. So bear with me for a bit. We are here, though, 
at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And surprisingly, even though, you know, an hour or so has passed since I last, you know, complained about how hot it is, it doesn't seem like it got that much hotter. But we are fortunate to be sitting here in the shade. With you today, it's Aria. And Mark. And the Reverend Captain Kickass is here. And we're talking here about the importance of privacy and various things that are going on as a result of this uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned. People are starting to realize, people on the left are realizing that, oh no, all of this contact tracing, the fact that we're giving these corporations all of our info, the fact that I'm telling my friends I'm going to do this. Have you seen the memes lately where it's like, hey, if you need to go on a sudden camping trip and you need to go to a state that's very friendly to camping, I'll give you a ride and I won't say anything. That's a really good way to get charged with conspiracy people. So just so you know that out there, you're not being clever and it won't hold up in a courtroom. If you're like, no, we were going camping. First of all, that would be perjury. What does camping mean? It's it's slang for you're going to go find somewhere to get an abortion. Yes. It's code, if you will. It's the internet meme code for, hey, I'm going to go somewhere where I can go get an abortion. Well, um, I suspect that that somebody has to to, uh, take the bullet on this one. There has to be somebody arrested so that we can have a case so that we can finally run it to the Supreme Court five years later to find out whether or not it's legal for um, the for a state to say you aren't allowed to leave our borders and do something that's completely legal in another state. Well, this is bound to have happened, right? I mean, there, there have certainly been people who have been arrested for these sorts of things. It almost certainly has had to have happened. But I, I, you know, I'm doing a show here, so I haven't had time to look into it or anything like that. But I, I would suspect that that precedent has already been set. I did see a publication uh, put out an article with the headline, I'm paraphrasing, something along the lines of, since the Supreme Court's ruling, here are the states where it's legal for you to get an abortion, like immediately, like since they're ruling, apparently sure. states have had laws on the books that said something like, hey, if the federal law ever goes away, this kicks in somehow. Well, they, they had laws on the books that made abortion illegal, as I understand it, and Roe versus Wade just made those laws unenforceable. So when Roe versus Wade was overturned, those immediately went back to being the law. Okay, all right. And there were some states that are in some sort of a limbo state where they didn't have a ruling one way or another, apparently. Yeah. So now that Roe versus Wade has fallen, states that choose to criminalize abortion can start buying and subpoenaing consumer data, including health and location data from period tracking apps, to prosecute people who get an abortion, provide an abortion, or even aid someone else in obtaining an abortion. In post-Roe America, your cell phone is now a reproductive privacy risk. Well, um, your cell phone has been a privacy risk for your whole life. Yes, they are little Trojan horses that and we carry around. Not just a reproductive risk, but a productive risk as well. If you use your phone, you risk not being productive. Very That's true. true. Unless you use your phone to be productive, which certainly I've done that too. I, I have as well. Millions of people use health tracking apps. I can't imagine. Why would you use a, a period tracking app instead of just a calendar? Because right? your calendars, my calendar's on my phone. Okay, I guess. Is the app called AntFlow? But in that case, you know, you, you are literally <laughs> giving... at the end of the sentence. <laughs> you are giving some, you know, third party access to your health data. I mean, why, how do these people not expect this to go wrong? Millions of people are using... I use ProtonMail's calendar in the hopes that uh, I have a, a bit more privacy. It's not as easy to use as Google's uh, calendar, but it makes me feel better. 
Well, ProtonMail at least claims to be private, right? Google doesn't. I know when I put something on Google that, you know, Google's accessing that, they're, they're data mining that, they're using it for their own benefit. But millions of people use these health tracking apps, including those that track periods, fertility, and pregnancy. Many people carry mobile devices on their person throughout most of the day, often communicating about topics like reproductive health through messaging apps. Yes, this is a normal conversation for a person to have with a friend, is a conversation about reproductive health. Well, they're That's probably, common. at the very least, talking about, um, yeah, hey, I had my period today, or uh, started, it started today, or whatever the... I have a number of female friends. None of them have ever said to me, oh, hey, I started my period today. I, and if they well, did... Oh, I've heard that from many they talk, women. They yeah. talk no, if I was sleeping with them, but none that I was just, like, friends with. Well, so, see, I was in bands, and so when you're in a band, your bandmates all have girlfriends, and then you go and do things like play a camping festival, for example, and you just overhear stuff, right? You know, the girls start talking to each other. But what you're talking about, about the, the conversations, reminds me of the old uh, Massengill disposable, disposable douche commercials, right? Where the girl says to her mom, Mom, do you ever get that not-so-fresh feeling? <laughs> like, oh, dude, I the, forgot about these These are conversations that you just don't hear, you know? Our inability to control who well, gets access. Advertisers just love the conversational ad. Mm. Um, and, you know, as a person who produces ads, in many cases, I'm just going to give them what they want for their ad. And uh, that's how those the Mass and Gill ad came about. I'd be willing to bet. I don't know about commercials, but my favorite thing about ads in general is how no one can accomplish even, like, the simplest of tasks, right? <laughs> They're like, do you struggle with coat hangers? <laughs> right, and and yeah. then it shows this guy who's, like, breaking his leg in the <laughs> kitchen or whatever because he's trying to figure out how to put a shirt on a coat hanger. Yeah. And he's trying to sell some kind of garbage that no one would ever want that solves the problem of, you know, coat hangers being too complicated. Yep. Does Love a those kind of falls. things. Yeah. So <laughs> our, our inability to control who gets access to our digital data was already troubling, but now our lack of digital privacy rights might soon lead to terrifying outcomes for people seeking or providing reproductive health care. Now, this goes back to the question that we were talking about earlier of, do you even have a right unless you assert it? These people want to cry about their, quote, digital privacy rights, while they do absolutely nothing to assert their privacy rights by using things like Signal and Telegram. Sure. They just want they want to have the government come along well, and pro- secure their rights. Yeah, I'm for really them. tired of people wanting to outsource their responsibilities to an organization that does nothing but commit violence or threaten violence. Well, this is kind of um, this is this is really common even in libertarian circles. I mean, this is what Free Talk Live does for a living. It bitches about the government um, and the oppressor never gives you your freedom and this is you're you're correct on this but frankly if you want freedom from new hampshire or the u.s government or whomever you're gonna have to pick up and move and go find a place where there's less of it well none of that's really going to give you privacy The, the issue here is you know people carrying their cell phones and using them recklessly allowing apple and amazon and facebook to just mine the hell out of their data that's not really the government's fault and what these people want is they want some government bill that will protect them from these corporations doing that because surely if anyone cares more about your privacy rights than facebook it must be the american government well that's what the democrats think Democrats think that the government will save you from corporations. Republicans think the same thing, right? That they wanted uh, the government to yeah. go after Facebook when they're like, Facebook is banning conservatives. So, I mean, conservatives think exactly the same thing. I think that in, as much as anything, they were pointing out that um, that particular corporation is liberal and it is has the right to from be. Palo Alto. I, I'm not claiming otherwise. They said it didn't. 
They wanted the government to require Facebook to allow them back on their platform. And you illustrate my point almost precisely. It's that it doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on when it comes to Democrats or or uh, Republicans or liberals or conservatives. It's that everybody, with the exception of probably libertarians, seems to have this knee-jerk reaction to almost everything that the government should solve the problem for me. Why aren't they doing something about it? When the answer should be, look within yourself and ask yourself, what are you doing about it? For example, MSNBC here again, they are hard left, says to protect both digital and medical privacy, including as it relates to reproductive health, Congress should move on the American Data Privacy and Protection Act. Do we call this journalism? Well, they do. I think it's a soft J. It's a urinalism. (laughs) Good way of putting it. I mean, it's leftist propaganda. The bipartisan federal privacy bill introduced in the House in June, among other things, the act would provide a cohesive national framework for privacy, creating guardrails on the collection and usage of data and holding companies to higher standards of data minimization and data security. While a federal privacy law will not be specific to reproductive rights, many of these privacy principles will serve to better protect consumer data that could otherwise be used for prosecuting those who receive abortions. I, I'm, I'm not for any of that unless, of course, this federal privacy law is first directed at... The government, the Absolutely. federal law breakers themselves, the largest collectors of data like that exist, as near as I can tell. Leave it to MSNBC to take this issue that was the overturning of Roe versus Wade and somehow use that, what they characterize as a monumental failure of government, to use that to advocate for more government. Because apparently, you know, this amount of government just wasn't good enough to protect us from the power of government. So we need more government to protect us from the power of government. I'm going gonna, gonna to pull that snip out of this show because you've described statism in a nutshell. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. We are waiting for the beginning of Fort Fest, unless you operate under the assumption that Fort Fest has already started. It really doesn't matter. We could call this Fort Fest if we wanted. I'm just holding out because we promoted the days of Fort Fest as June the 27th through July the That's 3rd. Lame. So. Come on, Aria. Join the party. It's Fort Fest. Well, Fort Fest starts tomorrow. You know, I need a day off from the party. Right? I've been here for a week now. There's a lot of partying in the last week. So, What, are you getting old? A little bit, yeah, right, kind right. of. That's I mean, fair. That's yeah. fair. Anyway, speaking of things that are going on in the world, there's not much more to say about the abortion thing. I mean, it's been beaten to death, and you know, MSNBC, they're going to continue crying and all of that stuff, but there's other interesting stuff going on. Evidently, HBO has made a series or a movie or a documentary or something. It's a documentary series, near as I could tell. About anarchists. In Acapulco, New Me- in Acapulco, Mexico. Tell us about this, Captain. Yes, so frequent listeners of Free Talk Live are probably already familiar with things like Anarchapulco. Uh, I know Free Talk Live has been to Anarchapulco. You Multiple paid times a, paid I visit. emceed the first one. Yeah. And so uh, it this actually popped up on uh, the social media that shall not be named. Mr. M. Efferberg's platform. Oh, okay. Uh, from uh, Amanda and Larkin Rose, 
uh, posted for the last five years or so. Our friends, uh, Kim and Todd, have followed the anarchopolitical community, the anarchists connected with it, and become our friends along the way as they documented the story of the ideology of total freedom and its community forming around it. Uh, they have spent these years getting to know us and have collected hundreds of hours of footage from five years of interviews at the recurring event Anarchapulco, uh, which, of course, they were speakers at uh, and have been, you know, participating in for five years. So a very public post, very heartfelt. Uh, from the rest of the post, I'm paraphrasing, of course, it's just really sure. long. I don't want to spend all segment reading it. Uh, they claim that it's not only been edited and produced uh, you know, not by HBO, but that it's also not a hit piece. A lot of these documentaries about freedom-loving people or uh, movies that are made about, like, Ross Ulbricht and things like that end up becoming what we call hit pieces, whereas they, they paint uh, anarchists, libertarians, you know, whatever you want, voluntarists in a poor light, make them seem like enemies of the state. According well, to we are Amanda enemies Larkin, of the state. I'm sorry? We are enemies of the state. Yes, absolutely. But according to Amanda and Larkin, uh, this was edited and produced by anarchists. So Very it is cool. not a hit piece. Now, uh, with that being said, they did, or HBO did put out, and hang on, let me just pull it up here. They put out a, uh, a press release, if you will. And I will. My understanding, we we got uh, we dealt with them about two months ago. They asked to use some audio from Free Talk Live, and we had to, you know, sign their pieces of paper in order to let them because you know how official it has to be and all that stuff. Yeah, but so they have attorneys, and they, their attorneys like all of that kind of thing to be in order. Yes. Uh, so from uh, the HBO press release, HBO original documentary series. The Anarchists debuts July 10th. The HBO original six-part documentary series directed by Todd Schramke and produced by Bloomhouse Television debuts Sunday, July 10th, 10 until 11 Eastern. New episodes airing subsequent Sundays at the same time, etc. and so on. In 2015, Jeff Berwick, a Canadian entrepreneur turned provocateur, launched a conference in Acapulco, Mexico in the hopes of promoting anarchy in its purest form. What was the date? 2015 is 2015, the, they okay. just give you the year. Uh, an ideal espousing the absence of government with absolute individual self-rule. The Sounds event like called, a good time. I'm sorry? Sounds like a good time. Yeah, I am sad that I've never made it to an Anarchapulco. I've never made it. Particularly in the early years I wanted to go. I think two years ago I was going to go, but there was an issue over a penthouse and uh I think Derek J. Maybe I don't recall the exact specifics, but there was a disagreement between FTL and Anarchapulco, uh, so we ended up not going. And since then, I've been under federal release that requires me to stay in the country. So, well, it's because of events like Anarchapulco that you know put Mexico on my list before I moved to New Hampshire. You know, I made a list of like where do I want to go and check out where where freedom is, and so Mexico had made my list specifically because Anarchapulco was a thing. And, you know, Free Talk Live had been there. I was an avid listener of the show at the time. So, I think the main thing that makes Acapulco a destination is, is that Jeff Berwick is there. Okay. Yep. Uh, the event is called Anarchapulco. It draws an international array of libertarians, fugitives, and families seeking to unschool their children to protect them from the bureaucracies of modern life, as well as cryptocurrency evangelists and others attracted to the idea of creating a stateless community, free from governments and central banking systems. 
It sounds promising. So, so far, I'm on board. <laughs> yep. Unfolding over six years, the Anarchists chronicles a strange and deadly series of events. What begins as an impulsive one-off gathering turns into a full-on annual event, growing in size and attracting sponsorship from cryptocurrency companies featuring speakers such as Ron Paul and Bitcoin investor Roger Ver. And when rule-avoidant freedom activists come together in one of the most deadliest or dangerous cities in the world, utopian ideology collides with the unpredictability of human nature. Relationships are fractured, rivalries are forged, and ultimately, lives are lost. It's tragic. I mean, that's, that, that did happen in Acapulco. And uh, we had someone here on the show, I think, last year, who told us a story about that. I mean, it's, it's tragic it, what happened there. Jason Henza? Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, my fear, of course, is that it's going to focus around like, oh, this event led to this. Well, right? it's got to have know? drama, right? Like, Otherwise, no one would be interested. Sure. Well, I didn't watch Tiger King because of his libertarian principles, right? I watched Tiger King because it was about a gay sex tiger cult, and <laughs> for, I was sold from that point on. And then, then he was trying to, you know, hire a hitman to to kill a woman. And, you know, you got to have drama in order to have a sales pitch. I mean, yeah, Acapulco had plenty of that. Well, and that's that's kind of where I'm going is that I know that there was other drama so you know hopefully that's not the entire focus but uh, it continues and says the uh, with intimate access to the main players the anarchist features candid first-hand accounts from Berwick the reluctant figurehead of the movement anarchy activists Lisa Nathan Freeman who left the United States with their children to find a freer life in Mexico John Galton and Lily Forrester American fugitives on the run from drug charges among others uh, the Anarchist follows individuals engaged in this movement with full access to the drama that ensues as a community tries to live alongside tourists and drug cartels with only the principles of anarchy as their guideposts. The loosely defined ideology proves to be unable to hold the community together, and many of the radical expats eventually find their dream of an anarchist paradise crumbling around them. Ultimately, this stranger-than-fiction tale evolves from a critique of our modern culture into a dramatic observation of the limitations of ideological thinking and the consequences of rejecting consensus. It sounds really good. When does this air again? This is going to be on HBO Max. HBO, HBO Max, July 10th, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, for folks who are in or the Keene area, if you're in our chat groups, I'm planning on doing a viewing on Mondays that I haven't worked out the details on yet. Stay tuned. How does that work? Because I understood that when something is released to streaming, you, you could, like, when they released Tiger King, didn't they release the entire series at once? They didn't, like, release one episode and then the next week the other? Yeah, it depends on the company and sure. what they want to do. Sometimes they'll release, drop them all at one time so you can binge. Other times they'll do... You know, make it a weekly thing. Sometimes they'll release one, two, or three episodes immediately and then make you wait for another week for the next episode and the next episode and the next. So they're That's doing fair, all these yeah. weird things to, you know, try and shake it up and get more viewers. Netflix does the same thing with Stranger Things where they seem to release like one episode a week or something like that. I promised right. a friend I was going to watch Stranger Things and I still haven't actually gotten around to doing it because, I mean, when, when am I going to find the time to watch an entire series on Netflix? And, and even if I did have the time, there's so many other things I would rather be doing than watching a Netflix series. As, as good as things I've heard about, this sounds like it's going to be great, though. I definitely am going to make the time to watch this. It's going to be on HBO Max, you said, July the 10th. Yep. That will be the release of the first episode. And you also said we're going to be doing something there in Keene. Going to try. I'm working on putting the details together for a viewing for the community. Should be awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing it. The, the story of Acapulco is tragic, and it's 
it's sad, but it's also uplifting and it's interesting. It's inspired. Is it could very well be the Tiger King of the Liberty Movement, right? It just without the gay sex tiger cults. I'm just stoked that somebody's doing something. Uh, and yeah. something from you know a company like HBO. You, there's plenty of libertarians and anarchists and voluntarists doing media. It's just that none of them are you know getting the traction or any support from a major media company, for example, like HBO. So I'm very surprised that this is going to be aired on HBO. Absolutely. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire with Aria, Mark, and the captain. And we've been talking a bit about internet privacy and the importance of internet privacy and all of that great stuff. So I've got an article here also from MSN about how to scrub yourself from the internet as best you can. Now, it is possible to scrub yourself from the internet, but it's very difficult. And I'm going to skip their their little preamble here to get into the actual meat of their article. First of all, start with Google. Google is what most people think of when they worry about their data online. The search engine is the largest index of websites, but it's often just the messenger. Know that anything... I don't think they're correct there. Know that anything you manage to remove from a search result will likely still live on the site hosting it unless you also get them to take it down. So useless advice there for the most part. Um, I just want to be clear. We're talking about scrubbing yourself from the Internet, not scrubbing yourself on the Internet. Yes. Okay. I, I imagine it's fairly easy to scrub yourself on the Internet. I, I would imagine that like there are many people who are already doing this and they have a niche market and like we're all probably, because we're sitting here and we talk on the radio, going to be advertised too soon about like you know Internet showering devices or whatever, right? For the first year here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, they did have a separate shower thing here, though. I don't know if you saw it, but it was the first time I'd ever seen it. They they had actual heat and everything. I don't think it was very popular, though, because for the first time this year, the facilities did not get overwhelmed. They didn't close down any of the bathrooms, and it was was an extremely smooth Porcupine Freedom Festival. Just sitting here in this particular seat, I had a, a view of that particular site yeah. and I saw people coming and going rather regularly. Wow. Okay. I didn't see like large groups showing up. I don't know if that's popular here at Forkfest or Porkfest, whatever fest we're at. But uh, you know, I did I did see people coming and going and using the facility so it must have worked. I did also see, uh, I think it was mm, maybe earlier today or last night where they were like, hey, if you want to come by and use the showers, we're going to start taking stuff down so it's free now. And so they were offering at least free showers to people who are maybe they've taken their stuff down and they're on their way out or, you know, they've been busy helping out with the rest of Fork Fest and they needed a shower. Well, presumably the alternative would be for them to transport all of that water out the same way they brought it in, right? Because I mean, these were huge containers of water. Yeah. They couldn't just dump it out there. Yeah, in the they're sidewalk, the big like uh, pallet square sized containers inside of a metal frame. Yeah, I don't know what the the cubic feet there, measurements. There's of a these name for are, I can't but, think of the name of that type of container. But they were very large, and you know, it's not a cooler that you could just dump out. So I imagine they wanted to get rid of that water. But my issue with Google, to get back to the story here, isn't with any of that. It isn't the fact that they index websites or any of that nonsense. I, I think if you're trying to scrub yourself from Google, you're taking the wrong approach, right? 
Because okay. Google, as they point out, it's just it's just going out and looking on these websites for whatever you're telling it to search for. But that's my issue with Google is that they sort of set themselves up to be a gateway to the entire internet. How how does a person find something on the internet if it's not to go through Google or one of these other major search engines? Right back in the day, you had to actually crawl around on websites. But once, since the rise of like Google and Ask Jeeves and all of these others, they're they're the gateways through which one accesses the rest of the internet. And There's you, more and less private uh, search engine on possibilities. Uh, I often use uh, StartPage. DuckDuckGo is another one worth uh, mentioning. I like StartPage. I used to like DuckDuckGo. Yeah, they've come under fire recently of having shared some information with some state actors. Well, they also have been lowering results about Russia. Uh, They've been getting involved in the disinformation war where if they think that something isn't true, they don't show those results. And that's not what I want out of a, a search engine. Now, obviously, StartPage is just using Google, so they're not any better, right? So there isn't a good search engine that I know of at this time. These, MSNBC says, first of all, Google yourself. I imagine most people have done that at one point in their lives. Keep a list of where your information is popping up and specifically look for anything personal like your address or phone number and any kind of identification details, driver's license numbers, or other information you find inappropriate. That's good advice, but none of that information should ever find its way online in the first place. And, and you have to have screwed up somewhere for your driver's license number to somehow end up on Facebook or on, in a Google search result. Well, uh, you should know it if it, I mean, it's possible that you screwed up and it's good to know when you've screwed up. Sure. So it's worth, I think that's reasonable advice. Google yourself. I'm questioning why we're going after Google first, because of the scrubbing I've done on the Internet, the one that I feel the most free from is getting away from Facebook. It's difficult to get away from Facebook. Uh, I imagine uh, Facebook is on here as well. I don't know. They just Facebook is much more like a drug than Google is. Google's just like life, you know? (laughs) No, Google happens to be the organization that won the search engine wars because they provided a superior product to everybody else. And that has made them the closest thing to a monopoly I can think of. Well, Facebook uh, won the uh, social media wars at Mm -hmm. one point, um, and it seems like they're losing it over time just because... They're not as novel as they used to be, but people aren't looking for novelty in um, search engines. Yeah, I used to spend a lot of time waiting for the next Facebook to come around where everybody would migrate away from whatever they had before. Hasn't really happened yet. I think there's a lot more people on TikTok and Instagram than they used to be. There are, and Twitter, of course. Forms of social media. Yeah. TikTok is for videos, right? It's more like the new YouTube than it is the new Facebook. Yeah, TikTok can be accurately described as short attention span theater. Sure, I, I would agree with you, but the the so there's human beings and they've spent times on websites. Yes, and they're spending less time on Facebook than they used to, and they're spending more time in other places. Hopefully, and some of those places are TikTok and Instagram. Very true. Other suggestions are to opt out and opt out some more now that the cosmetic requests are done, like the Google thing. It's time for data brokers. There are hundreds of data brokers in the United States, and you can find lists of organizations like Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. To start, let's practice on big names such as Axiom, CoreLogic, Epsilon, Data Management, Equifax, and Experian. I've only heard of two of those. And Equifax and Experian, I thought, were just credit monitoring things. 
You can opt out of letting these sites share your data, and in some cases, you can request that they delete it. Naturally, each site has different hoops you have to jump through, such as sending an email, filling out a form, mailing, faxing a letter, or confirming your identity. It's unclear to me why someone would want to go through these these steps to include some of this not overly important information. As with Google results, removing your information from data brokers doesn't mean it isn't still out there. And asking them to not share it doesn't mean other sites aren't still in possession of it. They got it from myriad sources, so on and so on. Limit, most importantly, and they finally get to it, limit what you put online. They also do have other suggestions coming forward, but the most important one, limit what you put online. If something is available, like your driver's licensing, then chances are you're the one who made that available. Yeah. And it's a good idea to you know use Google to search for that kind of stuff so that you can remove it. But just be more careful about what you make publicly available. A lot of this, like your phone number, a lot of people attach that to their Facebook accounts and then they make that information public or whatever. And just like that, anyone who wants to can look up your phone number and find it you know publicly accessible all things that we should be aware of generally here that's the most important one and they barely give an entire paragraph be more cognizant of what you're putting online i want to talk about phone numbers for a second well i think may have to hold on just a moment there is more coming up here from fort fest here in 2022 it is free talk live Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. With you today is Aria Mark and the Captain. I want to say thank you to Elephant in the Room. That's tonight's amplifier. That means Elephant in the Room is a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. So if you value the show, if you value the ideas of liberty being on close to 200 radio stations throughout the United States, you may consider joining the AMPS program. That's amps.freetalklive.com. It only takes $5 per month. That gets you in. And it does come with a number of cool little features like the AMP-only group on the Matrix server and the AMP-only Facebook group. But really, the reason you should join is because you value the ideas of liberty and you want to help us reach a larger audience. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you, Elephant in the Room. Now, Mark, you had a question or you wanted to say something about phone numbers. Right. So back in the day when you wanted to, you know, do a phone campaign, because this is one of the biggest areas of, of privacy that I think about um, on a regular basis, is spam calls. I'm sick and tired of them talking to me about my car warranty. I don't have a car. Right. You know, you're not calling me about my car warranty because I don't have one. A car, that is. And, um, you know, a variety of... I thought of you other, had a car. I don't have a car. Okay. Sold it. Gone. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Yep. That's why you're here in my car. Yes. Um, and... Uh, you know, there's a variety of other things that they do these calls on and that kind of thing. And it's intrusive and it's annoying. I can be in um, Honduras or halfway around the world. Ring, ring. I'm getting a call. Remember, I'm a salesman by trade. I sell Free Talk Live's ads. I don't know why somebody's calling. So I pick up the phone to find out. And they're wanting to talk to me about my um, auto warranty. Well, 
I got to say, it's pretty frustrating, especially when they uh, presume that the, you know, because it's a 603 area code, that I wake up at 9 a.m. Eastern, but I'm in Switzerland. Right. And, sure. you know, therefore they're, you know, waking me up in the middle of the night or whatever the situation might be. Um, this particular thing isn't really about the list anymore, right? So it used to be they collect lists and just, and they get, you know, they call from these lists and they know the people and that kind of thing. They're not calling me hey, Mark, we want to talk to you about your auto warranty. They're just saying we want to talk to you about your auto warranty. Yeah, they and don't know the name of the person anymore. I, I think they just use auto dollars at this I point. I think they just they? use auto dollars. Yes, they do. Uh, and that way, you know, what, there's 10 billion possible combina- combinations of telephone numbers. And then there's a whole bunch of area codes that don't exist. So that wipes out huge columns of that, those ten, that 10 billion. Um, by the way, it's 200, 300, 999. And there's a whole bunch of other area codes that just don't, simply don't exist. 555, 666. Well, yeah. And as a, as a, so the area codes are known as, NPAs and the next three digits are known as NXXs or exchange numbers. So there are exchange numbers that uh, are not used in public consumption as well. So you always see in the movies and TV, you see call 555, whatever the number, one, two, rest of the number one, is. Two. Right, yeah. That 555 is reserved specifically for film and television. The um, I've, I've always heard them called prefix. The 555 would have been a prefix. So The industry term is NXX. Okay. Yeah, NPA, NXX, and then last four. And the last one. So, as as, a, as the case may be, is all you have to do is do a little bit of searching, and you can find out which numbers to exclude. There's not that many telephone numbers even out there um, at that point. And at that point, you're much more likely to hit than miss once you exclude all the numbers that you know don't count. Um, you're you know, describing a real problem, though, and it's yeah. going to get worse. So, with yes, the with the advent of uh, cell phones, pagers, and faxes, uh, the FCC actually ran out of phone numbers. And so they've Similar been. So much the IPv4 issue that happened a number of years ago. Right. It's almost identical. Uh, their solution to it was to do what's called area code splits. So you've seen brand new area codes you haven't seen before over the course of your life, Mark. I know I have. Sure. Uh, Sarasota, Florida used to be 813 like Tampa and then turned into uh, 941. Right. And so uh, New Hampshire hasn't seen that yet. As far as I know, 603 is the it's only area code. Baby. The Same 603. But at some point, I expect that there will be what's called an area code split, and basically the greater Manchester area will get its own area code, and the rest of New Hampshire will maintain 603. Maybe they'll just follow the congressional districts for the uh, two representatives that New Hampshire gets. Yeah, it, it's usually population-based the way they do the split. So yeah. once uh, you, reach a, you reach a, a level of saturation of a certain area code, they want to split that off, because as more devices get assigned these numbers, now there's virtual numbers. You don't even have to have a device. It just floats in the cloud, and you, know, you can tell it to ring you on whatever device you want. It's the technology is pretty cool. It does allow you some freedom in that. I know, Mark, you and I have discussed that you can get a service with a completely different area code, but it doesn't really help because uh, each area code is based in a state, at least in the United States, and in those states they have laws that say, for telemarketing, for example, you can only telemarket between these hours of the day. So it doesn't matter. You're going to get telemarketed too. It's just going to be during a different schedule. Well, um, understood, and uh, all, I'm, all I'm trying to say is I'm trying to opt out of telemarketing as much as I possibly yes. can, um, and I know one way that uh, they used to do was is that you'd get an answering machine and you'd go, and, and the, your message would start with, doo-doo-doo, which is the yeah. disconnected number noise, and as, as long as whatever the gizmo was would hear this, doo-doo-doo, 
it would say, oh, this is a disconnected. Then you'd give your, um, hey, it's me, Mark. You can leave a message after the tone or do whatever you want to do afterwards. But as long as it went doo doo doo, yeah, that was it. So what that is is, uh, you know, it's the equivalent of computers listening for the touchdowns. Yeah, and when they hear the touchdown, it's uh, the basis of like faxing, right? Sure, fax listens for a tone. Oh, I hear the tone. Okay, let's connect and let's exchange data. That's basically how that how that goes down. Uh, but you used to be able to record uh, the digits, the tones of like your entire phone number and then use commas for pausing for like a second and then put in like your pin code and from any phone you could just hold up a personal recorder and have it dial and then you would be inside of your voicemail yes you know or whatever device you were trying to access by voice so i wonder if the uh, that text still exists it's just now married to the rest of the digital world in the the internet and apps and stuff like that does the disconnected number um tone still work and if so how many of the uh, spam calls could i redirect in this way i don't i get spam texts too and i'm annoyed by this i get spam texts and uh i have to take just a hair bit of responsibility for that uh i say that because i worked for a company that we invented what's known as pamming there's a law in washington state against pamming uh what this is it's pager spam so the company I worked for had this great idea that we were going to generate leads to sell our, our new service by dialing every pager bank number that we could find. So we went around in the office. We're like, Bob, what's your NPA NXX? Oh, it's 425-387. Okay. So we're going to dial 425-387-00000 or through 9999 with uh, an auto dialer, and then it's going to send a toll-free number that routes right back to our call center so our salespeople can pitch this new feature, right? And it worked, except uh, one of the pager banks that we hit was uh, actually caused the Seattle SWAT team to be dispatched. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and, the, and that was bad enough, but then uh, the next incident was that we hit a bank of pager numbers for people who were waiting on their replacement organs and oh, i don't mean no. i don't mean your console organ now on sale at the mall i mean you know new liver new kidney yeah. that kind of a thing and so once the media got a hold of that uh, our ceo had to go on television and do like this very somber apology kind of a thing because the company was just <laughs> like we invented this because the company was too cheap to like purchase leads right and so okay. it left us so like I'm attached to that as like a piece of kick-ass history. So you're partially getting spammed on your cell phone because of PAMing, because people figured out how to do that. Uh, and so I apologize, Mark. I think that somebody would have figured it out the week after you I, figured it yeah, out. I'm sure they would have. Yeah. But um, I'm not like you in that, I, and maybe it's just because I've worked in telephony, but I do not get telemarketing at all. I can't tell you the last time I got a telemarketing call. Huh. Uh, and my number is published widely and that kind of a thing. A lot of people have it. It's been on websites and that kind of a thing. Any tips and tricks on how to not get uh, spammed? Well, the first thing I do is I ignore any call that comes in that doesn't have a name. Yep. So if it's just if it's just a number, I just let it go to voicemail. If it is... Uh, you know, it says anything that I don't recognize, even if it is a name that I don't recognize, I let it go to voicemail. If somebody's legitimately calling me and they want my attention, uh, they're going to call and they're going to leave a voicemail or they're going to call again and again and again until I'm annoyed enough to either block them or pick up the call. People expect salespeople to be more responsive when it comes to. Um, sure. Uh, and I would have a separate number for that that I could program with only the hours of the day that I am available to take sales calls. Yes. And that is good advice. Nice. There is more coming up here. It is free talk. Live. 
It's Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire with Aria, Mark, and the captain. And evidently, the United States has banned Juuls, that's J-U-U-L, and it's a type of nicotine vape. But young vapors are already switching to newer products. This is the first I've heard about Juul being banned. I know there was, So they haven't banned the family Juuls yet? No, just the, just the individual ones. All right. This week, the U.S. effectively banned Juul after the Food and Drug Administration ordered the e-cigarette maker to remove its popular products from the marketplace. Experts, statists, have held the move as significant, but they are also concerned that such efforts are failing to keep up with a fast-moving vaping industry, one where young people leap quickly from one product to another. Why are they trying so hard to prevent young people from vaping? Look, if they want to look, I don't know if I can say that. If they want to like tools, then allow them to do so. <laughs> I um, Smoking was cool when you were a teenager. Vaping will not be and has never been cool. The only exception I take to that, of course, is uh, for folks who uh, want or need to ingest marijuana in a form that isn't smoking okay. the flower. Vaping pot is different, yes. Uh, vaping but nicotine, nicotine yeah, is whatever. stupid. It, look, it looks the same, presumably. But you mean vaping, vaping pot, pot and, and vaping nicotine. Well, yeah. yes, but you can't go into your average convenience store and buy a pot vapor. Although vaping nicotine did, for a short period of time, help me quit smoking. Now, I didn't stay quit using that particular method, but it did help. Like, after I had quit, I was like, okay, well, when I feel the urge, I'm going to vape a little nicotine. It was the early, you know, the ones that looked like a cigarette, right? Yeah. So it was kind of a I fake cigarette those, yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but it did help. I didn't stay quit. I eventually took up smoking again. It wasn't actually until I became sort of principled and I went on a rant about not being a slave. And my my friend Mike was like, hey, man, you don't like slavery? And I'm like, no, not at all. He's like, well, you're a slave to R.J. Reynolds, man. And like I thought about that for a while. And I was like, I I really am R.J. Reynolds, bitch. And I put my cigarette out. It was the last cigarette I ever had. Nice. The... um I, I wonder to, uh, why they want to go after vaping. I mean, because it, it's just an aesthetics thing. Best I can tell, vaping is help better for you than smoking. Yes. Well, that, no. I mean, there's absolutely no evidence to support that. We don't know what vaping is going to do to people. It hasn't been around long enough. We know what smoking for 50 years is going to do to you. But we don't know what sucking down vegetable oil and propylene glycol into your lungs is going to do to you. We it's can likely, guess. It's likely coating your lungs in something. I mean, you are sure. breathing this stuff in. And, and, and it does have an impact. I, I'm not claiming. I, I'm not claiming it doesn't. I'm claiming that tobacco is the deadliest thing in the world. Or vaping was at hasn't one point. been around long enough to reach that point. Yeah, vaping's yet, been around long enough for them to do a ten-year study on somebody who's only ever vaped and probably see if, a ten-year like, study. But you know, you're not going to die of smoking in ten years either. Uh, okay. I mean, I, just I mean, I've had doctors literally tell me, "Don't vape, but just carry on smoking." And this was multiple different wow, doctors I've, tell I've me never that. Heard that. That's, Sounds like a terrible idea. Well, this was multiple doctors. I'm going to take the medical doctor's advice on what's good for me and what isn't, Mark. All right. Well, you feel free. Um, I, mean, but, I didn't uh, end up quitting anyway, but vaping, it's a widespread idea, and it seems like it would be obvious that you know vaping is going to be healthier for you than smoking cigarettes. It does seem obvious. And that's probably true if you factor in all the additives and stuff in like Marlboro and Newport and all these others. But if you're smoking like an American Spirit or a Winston well, or something. Okay. It, so I think the, the whole terminology about vaping being safer than smoking cigarettes is... 
needs to be prefaced or suffixed with if you're trying to quit smoking cigarettes, right? If you've been a lifetime smoker for a couple of decades or whatever it is, and you want to quit, uh, then switching from actual cigarettes to vaping in an effort to stop doing both, you know, I think is where that terminology comes from. And so, you know, if you want to argue the finite points about whether or not vaping is as healthy or less healthy than cigarettes, I think you have a point. But if your mission is to quit smoking, then I think vaping is a healthier option. Well, nobody who's trying to quit smoking is uh, advocating that the government uh, pull Juul off the shelf. This is all about teenagers are smoking this thing or, you know, doing this thing. Motley Crue is going to do vaping in the boys' room. Is that right? <laughs> right. Okay. And that, um, you know, when it, you know, when it comes down to it, eh, you know, I've vaped, I've smoked, and I can tell you that sometimes when, you know, sometimes you want to just have something to do. And so I get it. Um, I don't think it's uh, the worst thing in the world. And I would rather personally have my teenager vape than smoke. Now, this is a preference, and I'm not sure. a medical doctor. And frankly, I'd wish they wouldn't do either. But kids are going to make bad decisions. It's almost the definition of being a teenager. What if these nicotine vape machine, vaporizers, like, one day went awry and, like, actually vaporized the people who were using them? <laughs> well, some of them do that, right? There are, like, mod kits and stuff like that. I don't know exactly, but it was very... This was a number of years ago where, like, vapes were exploding in people's faces and stuff right. like that. Right. They were trying to make laws about that, too, when that happened. Yeah, that was about people using, you know, homemade mod kits and stuff like that to get bigger, more robust pools, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know why you would want to have a... The fact that mod kits even existed for vaping. I hate the entire culture. This this hipster, we want to be like a tattoo shop culture around <laughs> vaping. You know what I'm talking about. If I you've do. ever been in one of these vape stores, they, they got a little couch there. They're, they're, usually they ha- they'll have like a PlayStation 4 or a PlayStation 5 and a big screen television. You know, They want to portray it as this awesome little kick that hangout spot. It's like, dude, you're not a tattoo shop. I, wor- I, worked, I didn't work there. I walked into one of these stores, and this lady literally had vape tattooed on her <laughs> arm right here. And I'm like... That that shows a, a, a level of commitment to this to this thing that I, I, that impresses yeah, me. Everybody's right? got to have their sport. Some for some it's vaping. There is a vaping competition, right? There there are cloud busting. Comp- I don't know what they call them. I don't know if they still exist or not. But it's like you look at that. It's like yeah, this is this is why smoking was cool and vaping will never be right. Smoking did have that culture, that hangout spot, that tattoo mentality. But I mean, like. You would go into a tattoo shop and hear like "Kill Switch Engage," whereas you go into a vapor shop and you hear like "Katy Perry" or mm-hmm. something like that. Very difficult. I'd I rather look it. at Katy Perry than listen to her. That that was one of the main reasons I always said that I would never start vaping. I, I didn't. Even, I don't even like the word vaping, right? Because it, it's just using a vaporizer would, would make me feel better. But vaping is just a clunky, horrible sounding word. It sounds like it's not cool. <laughs> well, I I feel like you might be a little more uh, conscious of your uh, social peer group than others might be, and that you came up with when this uh, you're being younger um, came up when this would matter. I um, am of the opinion that uh, there was pressure to smoke when I was a kid. There definitely I, was. I don't and know. I think Arya just like sort of showed that uh, her generation is a little bit older now. Yeah, sure. Than it was a minute ago, and this is her version of get off my lawn. (laughs) Right, that's exactly (laughs) that. I just think if they're going to be cool, then they should do things that are cool and not vape, 
Right. Well, I'm not sure what cool is. Um, I, being 51, well, I'm cool not sure what it is. Long either. left me. And, <laughs> they believe that it's cool. All, all I'm saying is, that. is that any um, that, that the government getting involved in this, um, it's they're just being jerks, and they ought to stop. Look, they're man, just propping up R.J. Reynolds and other major tobacco sure, companies. Sure, I'm not going to encouraging people to smoke cigarettes. I'm not going to vape shame these people for the same reason that I support freedom of speech. I want to know where the douchebags and a holes are. Sure. Right, and, and if they want to mark themselves in some way, shape, or form by you know, putting out pamphlets or vaping, feel free to do so. So, Jewel is arguing that you know they help people quit smoking. They showed that it, it reduced smoking by underage youth by forty three percent and young adults by twenty seven percent. So they they admit that you know uh, adults and kids under the age of eighteen, whatever, they do use Jewel, but that's that's. For, Preventing them from smoking cigarettes instead. So it's like. I have oh. never seen a person with both a cigarette and a jewel in their hands. Yeah, so they seem to be making the argument that the government would rag- rather have 15 year olds smoking cigarettes than using jewels. <laughs> Tell me accurate. How, how ironic that, you know, it's come full circle. The government is now advocating for smoking cigarettes in an effort to reduce vaping. It is likely that the FDA's marketing denial will have an impact, says the CEO of Juul. I mean, will have an impact. Certainly, you're, you're banned from U.S. markets. Juul is still a popular product among young people who do use e-cigarettes, and Juul has a certain level of brand recognition and cultural cachet among youth that may be susceptible to nicotine use. So I'd, maybe around the world, they could still have some success, but being banned from the United States is going to put a b- pretty big dent in their sales, I yep. would imagine. Big market. I just have to say, how about the government stop trying to tell people what to do and how to live their lives? I mean, that would be a lot better, right? But see, it's for the children, and that's what a lot of these people use as their arguments. Oh, we can't allow this. We can't allow Juul because they have flavored vapes. And I've seen the new things are Hyde's, right? It's not even Juul. Juul got beat out by Hyde like within the last year or so. Yeah. Hyde are disposable. They're, they last for two or three days, and they're flavored, and they do exactly the same thing. And yeah, but they're smaller, and you can put them in your hand, and people don't know you're doing it, right? Government, to me, appears to have created a culture of people wanting to impose their opinions on other people. And they think it's right of them to do so. They think it's cool to do so. And it's sickening, really. And it needs to stop. Human beings need to just learn how to mind their own damn business. Well said. It's Free Talk Live. Iconic guitarist Eric Clapton's lifelong passion for the blues burns brightly in a new film and soundtrack release entitled Nothing But the Blues. The documentary film, which was nominated for an Emmy Award, has been upgraded to 4K for its long-awaited official Blu-ray and DVD release. The new soundtrack album features all of the music from the 1995 film and also includes more than an hour of previously unreleased live performances, Eric spoke about his lifelong love and respect for the blues. I have tried to play folk music, play country and western, play even jazz, um, and a, a lot of pop music, but I do this best, and that's been given to me to do. Uh, and, I, and as much as I've questioned it and railed against it and, and, and been stubborn about my path, I'm back on it. But this is me in terms of my musical identity today. 
where I've come from and what I mean. And wherever I go in the future will be as a result of this. That's iconic guitarist Eric Clapton, whose long-awaited documentary film and music soundtrack, Nothing But The Blues, will be released on multiple formats on June 24th. Order now at ericclapton.com.